Hello. Now, this is episode one of season seven. Season seven is called The Stages of Home Construction. We're diving into the process of home construction for both new builds and renovations, so you can feel informed as your project gets built. We'll be looking at the what, the when, the who and the how of each stage, and we'll be giving you loads of helpful cost-saving and stress-saving ideas and information along the way. In this episode, we talk about the first stage of any project, paying the deposit. Now, this is where you'll be signing your contract and making your first payment to lock in your builder and get the construction process going. There's loads to know about this stage, about signing contracts and about how to protect yourself. Dwayne and I talk about the early warning signs to look for in this stage and what to expect from your builder in their communication and their planning. Now, some terminology to familiarise yourself with if this is the first episode in this season that you're diving into. Dwayne and I refer a lot to drawers during this season. Now, we're not meaning the drawers that you keep your socks in. A drawer is actually a payment on the building contract. So when you sign a contract with a builder, a builder will actually identify a series of drawers or progress claims or progress payments. And as work on your project is completed, the builder will submit an invoice for that draw, identifying the work that has been completed and asking you to pay for it. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I jump into the podcast episode, I want to share with you some exciting information about an online program that I've launched in collaboration with this season of the podcast, and it's available for you to access now. The program is called Manage Your Build, and it's all about helping you navigate the construction of your new home or renovation with sanity, feeling confident and informed. If you want to be better informed about what's happening during the construction of your home or understand what you can expect of your builder or of the contract and, you know, whether you're getting what you've paid for, then Manage Your Build is designed to simplify this for you. Manage Your Build will give you key knowledge, tools, cheat sheets, industry insider checklists and tips, plus strategies to save your sanity and budget as well. This online program can support you, help you avoid expensive mistakes and drama and put you in the driver's seat, feeling confident during the construction of your new home or renovation. So if you want to check it out, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. There's more information there about what's inside the program, what it includes and how it can support you and save you stress and money as you navigate the construction of your renovation or new home and actually make the process enjoyable for you. So head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. So this episode is all about the first draw of any contract, which is paying your deposit and basically getting everything locked in so that the builder knows that they're good to go, that everybody is ready to start and they can start doing the work that they need to to make sure that they can commence your project. So, Duane, you and I have spoken a bit about 
the amount that should be paid for a deposit. And you've generally recommended that 5 to 10% max is sort of the figure that most homeowners should be looking for. What are your thoughts around that deposit amount and why why it should only be you know a small amount to get the project started? I think 5% is definitely more than enough. All, to me, all, all the deposit's really doing is, is locking the builder in. So I feel you don't want to be giving the, the builder any more and then like he, he might not take, like he could possibly blow out and take two, three, four months to start your job. So in that scenario, if, you, if you're giving me more than the 5%, that money is going to be getting used to then fund other projects. So if something goes wrong in his business or he's not running his business efficiently or correctly, if it does take a long period of time to get started, then there's a possibility that your job might not get started if he was to go bankrupt or into liquidation or something. So look, I think 5% is more than enough deposit. If a builder's trying to charge more for a specific reason, um, it might be you, it might be a custom home that requires some special orders or, or other deposits for materials, then there's still no reason they can't do a 5% deposit, get the contract and the, the builder locked in. And then if the builder's doing things properly, he can, he can do another draw within the first few days or first couple of weeks. So um, there's definitely no need, to I, I don't feel, to be giving a builder more than 5%. But my, my main reasoning for that is there's so many builders out there that I believe are, are trading insolvent. They're using cash from new jobs to still fund jobs that aren't finished. So I, I just think it's, it's safe to, uh, to leave it at 5%. It's a good sign, actually, isn't it? Because so many homeowners are just worried that the builder is not going to be financially stable to run their project. And I think that's a really good first measure. If it is more than 5%, that you have a really honest conversation up front, you know, before you've signed on the dotted line to say, hey, why is it 10%, you know, you know, you and I were talking and saying some builders are wanting 20%. You know, it's that is a lot of money to tie up when you haven't even started. And um, and like you say, it's a good opportunity to have that honest conversation about whether they're really the right builder before you just accept that that's a given and, and get the project going. So I think that's really good. So when you... you You've got a contract. You've got a you've got a homeowner that said yes. They want to get going. They've, you've said okay. Well, you need to pay a five percent deposit. What happens then? Like, what does your time frame look like? What it, what activities you're undertaking? How's that whole process working? Once we've we, everything's been finalised, obviously the quote's been um, accepted. We've done the contract. It's all been signed. So there's actually some other documents that complete the contract. Like obviously there's a lot of different contracts out there to use, but they're all very much similar. So to finalise a contract, you actually need more than just a signed contract and a deposit paid. In most states and most contracts, it's actually illegal to sign the contract um, without having construction engineering drawings or final engineering. So definitely I would recommend do not be signing or don't be signing a contract until you've got final engineering. Main reason behind that is just the engineering can change the cost of a job dramatically. If you've... um, if you've got a couple of examples, if you've got a bad, if you get a bad soil test back, um, and the engineer changes it to a standard um, type slab, it might have a lot of driven piles or even just concrete piers. Um, that's going to add cost. Your architect or designer may not have allowed for any structural steel. Um, comes back from the engineer and he's got beams and posts everywhere. So, if you've agreed to a price, you've signed a contract, you've paid a deposit, you're locked in. So um, if you then get engineering back and then you, your builder comes back to you saying there's another $20,000 for the slab, there's another $10,000 for structural steel, 
that's a variation. He's going to have his margin and markups and things on that. So yeah, straight out of the gate, you're already paying extra money, and it's it's yep. hard too because I often tell you know the members of my online program, working with an engineer and a designer in a collaborative way is actually a really great way to get that information happening and forming the design so that it's efficient structurally as well as as well as achieving the design that you want. Yet so often what happens for homeowners is they might go straight to the builder and use their in-house designers or they work with a draftsperson. And so it is this stop-start process of we get the concept done, then we start with the builder and they yeah. they and then, yeah, like you say, they get locked into a contract, that engineering comes back, totally changes the price and that opportunity to let that engineering be done more efficiently is lost. And you might find too, what I fi- often find is that the engineer will apply apply their structural design to a house and can sometimes actually really damage the design intent of it if it's not that if that's not being coordinated in a way because some designers don't understand okay I'm going to need a beam to straddle that span all yeah. of a sudden my ceiling heights aren't right you know all of these types of things are happening weird bulkheads are turning up all over the place so yeah it's um it's and it's it's a really it's a really um, critical piece of information to understand that you can't sign a contract until you have legally. And so when you, if you're working with a builder and they say, look, we'll get the process started and then we'll get the engineering done later down the track, you might think you're in a contract, but you're probably actually in a preliminary agreement. But the preliminary agreement, I've seen some of those preliminary agreements and they're written so you can't actually walk away and take anything with you. So I always encourage people, bring the engineering forward, bring the design forward, make sure that any agreement you're signing lets you walk away if you're not happy with the price at any point before you sign the building contract to get going. So Yeah, look, lots of builders, all builders will do it differently. I definitely believe there's a huge benefit in paying a builder to be involved um, during the quote and doing that through a preliminary agreement. Again, all, all builders will do it differently. Some will charge you a preliminary fee and they will take they will lead you in the design and the engineers and get you in contact with them. Some of them will make or let get you to pay them directly and then they'll pay the professionals. We do it the opposite way. We um, we definitely help people lead them in the right direction but we don't add on any margin or anything. We let them pay the professional fees themselves. Main reason for that is that it takes a lot of liability off us. But look just back to what we're on before about when you should sign the contract. If you sign the contract without the engineering, the builder starts on site, or, or even even if it's just preliminary works, getting the site set up. If there's a delay, if the engineering comes back and it changes the, the job costs, there's obviously going to be a delay there where you're trying to sort things out and, and the builder's going to have to explain to you why it's gone up, what the costs are for. He's also able to, through the contract, charge you variations for delay costs. So if he gets started on site, he's going to have temporary fencing, temporary toilet. He might have started doing some groundworks that could be affected if the engineering's changed. So you're really leaving yourself open to um, some hefty variations right off the bat. So Yeah, nasty, nasty surprise when you think you're all geared up and ready to go and straight out. It's the, first very, the very first thing is all of a sudden you hit with a, a budget variation. And like you say, the contract usually builds in variations at a different margin to what the standard builder's margin is. So you'll you know be paying more, obviously, yeah. when it occurs, occurs inside the contract. So, all right, so you sign, get all of that contract in place. You've done everything you're supposed to. You've got all your ducks in a row before you sign the contract. And 
and uh, you pay your 5% deposit. And you and I were talking prior to this, a lot of people often can pay that out of their own pocket. They might have that saved up so they can pay that and and it's then that the bank needs to start coming in for the further draws. You recommend that homeowners show the contract to their bank. Why why do you suggest that to homeowners? Uh, Look, the banks these days sometimes can have a lot of say in how the um, how the projects run and these days there's actually more than one option on the contracts um, in regards to the payment draws so we like to have as many draws as possible it helps our cash flow out in our business but to me it also breaks it down more so the homeowner can actually see a lot easier what's what they're actually paying for with each of those draws but look there's in the old days there was one uh, one payment method and it's still there most contracts have got two or three options. Um, in the master builders contracts, it's generally option A. And that really only works for a standard type project home on a flat block of land. Then you'll have option B, which is the builder can suggest his own draws, which we use quite a bit. Um, and then a lot of contracts these days will have an option C, which is the ability to pay the draws however, every 14 days, every 21 days, the 15th of every month. We've been trying to use that a lot more and it's definitely getting a lot more popular with um, builders around Australia. So w- with that, the banks will generally want to see, even though they're, it's, it's very hard to get that one past a bank and if they do, they'll want to see a, a rough guide of what you will be drawing. That option C where you're saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send an invoice every 14 days or every 21 days. Yeah. You're saying that banks find that a little bit difficult to stomach. Yeah, they? because yeah. they don't know. Um, like Obviously, they don't want to be paying money out for work that hasn't been completed. So generally, they, they'll want to see a, a bit of a rough guide of what you think you'll be drawing. And then when you do put in a draw, you just need to give a good breakdown. So if you're drawing every 21 days and every time the builder sends in a draw, he, he should have a good guy there. For example, he, he might have, if it's at the early stage of a job, he might have footings complete, earthworks complete, slab prep done, or, or it might be 80% of footings complete, such and such of this complete. So the bank and the and the homeowner can see exactly what's been included in that time frame. I, I think there's a lot of benefits to that draw for, for everybody. If, it, if you're working with a good, honest builder, they're only going to be charging you for the work that's been carried out in that time period, plus their overheads and, and margins. So the client's only paying for what's actually getting done. The builder's covering his costs, so he's going to have a lot better cash flow and uh, run the business more efficiently. And also the banks, like the banks when they come out to, um, a lot of the times these days I'll do a send a value out to do a site inspection. It's a lot easier for them to see what's been done. Yeah, you've got more options than just a standard one these days. Yeah, which is great, I think. And it, you know, I mentioned in the introductory episode that it is actually in the interest of the homeowner to pay the builder more frequently because it helps you see really clearly the work that's being done on site. It's not buried under more layers of stuff that's then gone on and been built on top of it. You can actually see very clearly the work that's being completed. You can see invoices um, that are being paid to suppliers and subcontractors. And if you're you know, if you're thinking of the fact that you're employing the builder to, you know, execute this project for you, if you're employing anyone, you'd be paying them fortnightly or monthly anyway. So that regulation of cash flow does certainly, I think, help you be proactive rather than getting a a shock and surprise that this really chunky bill comes, you know, um, at the end of a a particular milestone and, and you're not exactly sure whether everything's been done inside it. So... 
Um, so yeah, I think that that's great advice. And I think too, a homeowner just understanding that there are different methods these days inside contracts, that it doesn't always just have to be that very brief, you know, five stage payment that's in method A anymore. And that there's an opportunity for you to have a conversation with your builder about why are they using method B? How have they broken that down? What's How have they worked out the percentages? Or if they're using method C, if they can't, like I think it's actually, if they've said method C, okay, we're going to send you a bill every 21 days and they can't say to you roughly what that bill's going to be, it's a pretty early red flag that they're not able to proactively program and exactly. schedule their job, isn't it? Exactly. So, if they're um, if they're running a good business and using and they've got systems in place, they like generally within four to six weeks of receiving a deposit, they they should be doing a schedule for the job. And generally, like when they're quoting the job, you you sort of got a bit of an idea of what's going to happen and and how that schedule is going to flow. So that then sort of gives you an idea of how your draws will work. Um, but there's actually one more that um, we haven't talked about, which is a cost plus as well. So I, I'm very wary of the cost plus. <laughs> me um, too, me too, yeah. I definitely, look, there's, de- there's lots of builders out there that have success with it. And look, there's, there's builders out there that are very honest and, and it would work perfectly for. But my opinion on that is it's very easy for a builder to take advantage. So to me, if you're using a cost plus contract, there's no incentive for the builder to hurry up, chop around for quotes. If you if he, if you agree to pay him a margin on top of everything, he's just going to take whatever's there, and like, there's no incentive for him to push the job along, get it done quicker, more efficiently. So, I'd, I'd be a bit wary of, of taking that option. Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen a lot of homeowners run into problems with cost plus, where um, or or they might be paying like just a day rate to the builder or something like that. And next thing they know, they're paying for the trip to Bunnings where he's forgotten to buy something and he's made the fourth trip that week. And, yeah. you know, and so, yeah, whenever somebody says to me they want to do it as a cost plus, my recommendation always is that they need to bring forward all of their decision making before they figured out what the cost actually is yeah. and then also get a schedule from the builder the same way that they would in any building project to understand the timeline. So they've at least got something to measure against each week. Uh, in terms of anticipating what will be done when, and they can start to see when things are going off the rails with that. Yeah, because so. even with the trades on those types of contracts, like if, if you're not working with a reputable builder that's got really good trades and suppliers, if, if he's not running a good business or he shops around every job and like he's using trades on your job that he hasn't used before, you're going to be paying for the stuff up. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be wary of that one. Yep. Can we talk a bit about how you go about creating your schedule? Because, you know, you've shown me your programs and you've kindly said that we can put some inside uh, the online course as well to show people a template of how a builder creates a program. I know I've sometimes had difficulty getting builders to create programs, whereas at Mervac it was how we ran everything, you know. So so can you just explain to me, because your program is a fantastic tool for a homeowner to understand and it's why I encourage every homeowner to... Um, to work with a builder who does them, what they can, what you can expect in terms of when trades are showing up, when materials need to be ordered, if materials need to be ordered at that point, what the decision needs to be made by, all of those types of things. It takes you about four to six weeks to create that program. What 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 are you doing when you put that all together? Um, so dur- during the quoting, we are generally putting a, a rough schedule together, but obviously we're not going to spend the time on it until we've we've actually won the job. So. Look, with all of our clients, we tell them within four to six weeks of signing the contract and having all the final documents and the job starting, we will provide them with a, a rough estimate 
um, schedule. Um, for us, look, it's definitely helped our business out. It just gives everyone something to be able to look at and follow. Um, so as soon as we've finished our schedule, it gets sent to all the trade suppliers and the homeowners. So a few benefits, uh, obviously, the trades can book dates in. As the job progresses, the schedules always change. So having a schedule in place, is a, it's fantastic. If things do change, Like you can easily inform the client because they've had something from the beginning so they can clearly see, well, yeah, this was going to happen around here. We've now pushed it out to here. But look, the jobs flow a lot better. It gives everyone a bit of a guideline. We always finish on or before our um, completion date, but it's very rare for things to happen exactly as per that schedule throughout the job. You might... If the specialty finishes, there's, there's always a process to follow and then on a, on a normal type job, you might be able to get the painter in, but if you're installing some featured timber work or stonework, like there's, there's always little things that can affect the schedule. So the beauty of having a schedule in place is that you've actually got something to look at and you can juggle things around and it, it just makes it a lot clearer for everybody. Yeah, and I think really the two variables in any project are money and time. And so when yeah. you can measure both of those, you know, I, I really recommend that a homeowner or their representative arrange a weekly site meeting with the builder and then they can understand, okay, where's our yeah. cash at? What drawers are we anticipating? What orders are being made? And where are we at time-wise? So that we've always got a really clear picture of how things yep. are tracking because there's nothing worse than finding out far too late that things are running three or four months behind schedule. You know, if you can do that thing you can always pivot and change and adjust as you say and juggle the various people that you might need to to get things back on track and you you can't do that unless you're measuring it so if you haven't got a schedule there's nothing like the homeowners can't tell anything like the builder can just be saying oh yeah that's going to happen next week there's there's no (laughs) and then next week never happens or it happens two months later yeah Um, like everyone's got to be accountable one of the big benefits we've had since we've been doing schedules is getting homeowners like convincing homeowners that they need to make their selections very early. So very quick run through. When we do our schedules, we we go through and do the general construction. And then once we've got the the overall schedule, we then work backwards. So on a lot of the work we're doing, whether it's aluminium or timber, they've they've got custom windows. And most of the time, they can be a sort of 12 to 16-week lead time. So in our schedule, we'll obviously have the window delivery and the window install. Once we've done that rough guide, we can then work backwards so we'll generally add on a few weeks. If, if we know our window supply is going to be 14 weeks, we'll come back 18 weeks and we'll have in our, in our schedule that client must have windows signed off. So, it's, it's, it, again, it's clear, it's there, it's on paper. They can see when we're sending them emails saying, hey, look, we really need this. <laughs> they can clearly see, oh, yeah, look. There's a good reason. We've yeah. actually, he's coming up to his lead time. So, But in saying that, it, I, I think it's for everybody involved, the builder, the, the homeowner, the subbies, everybody the sooner you can have all your selections made and signed off, the better. And I think that's where people paying extra money for an, to have an architect or, or a really good building designer involved can save them tens of thousands of dollars during the, during the process. If they've got someone that's specified everything, confirmed everything, once the contract's signed, it's ready to go, it, it really does save a lot of money. And that contractor then realistically represents what you actually want to build or renovate. It's not just an allowance or an estimate around certain things that you then have to go and figure out later. Yeah, and it just yep. um, like it, it affects the whole process of the job. Like people selecting things can really blow a job out. Um, people don't understand that 
even a, a sim- something as simple as a vanity basin <laughs> can uh, just affect the underslab, the slab, the framing, the cabinet maker. Like it, there's a there's a huge flow on effect that people don't see the behind the scenes. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, in all of our conversations across the course of this season, we're going to be really driving home that point that bringing all of the selections forward as much as possible is one key way to have a far less stress during your construction process overall. And I think the benefit of this season will be that we'll get to see why, for example, you know, plumbing decisions need to be made so early or paint decisions need to be made so early because it can accrue, um, definitely accrue some costs if you don't do that. So, and when you're paying, not only paying delay costs in a contract, but, you know, also then perhaps varying what you've got in the contract against that item, it's like just budget blowouts happening left, right and centre. So, yeah, it's not... One bit of advice I'd tell people about is once they've locked it in, stop looking. (laughs) (laughs) um, Don't change your mind. (laughs) Yeah, it's not uncommon for them to have everything signed off and then they've got some spare time, so they (laughs) go shopping and, uh, yeah. Now, you've got all your permits in place, the program's all sorted, um, you have scheduled everybody, you've paid any deposits on long lead time products that you might need. What does work on site actually look like during this period? I know it's sometimes there's, it's bundled up under preliminaries or site establishment. What does it physically look like in terms of securing a site and get it re- getting it ready for um, you know any construction work? So most of the time the deposit will just cover... Um the builder getting everything in place for the project, finishing the schedule off, um, getting site fence up. They might need silt barriers, uh, temporary driveway. Like, so what's a silt barrier? So it depends. There's companies out there that do it for you now. We do it as a self, but it's just it has to be put downhill. So anywhere that um, if it rains or gets wet is going to cause erosion and and cause silt to be washed onto neighbouring properties, onto roads. So. Councils are really big on that now, so yeah, you can. I know when we renovated in an in a Brisbane suburb, the minute there was any dirt on the road, council were on the phone to us, going, "Our neighbours complained. You know, you need to sort it out because yeah, there are some neighbours that sit and just watch to make sure." Yeah, for some reason, they only <laughs> so, seem to pick on us small guys. They don't worry about the big developers, but um, but yeah, it's your responsibility, obviously, whilst you have site under construction, that you you contain everything on that site on that site that it doesn't run off onto the road or into other, other neighbours' properties. Yeah, so you need to establish a entry and exit from the from the job. These days you need most guys will put down a recycled crushed concrete driveway as a temporary driveway. Um, that just stops all the mud and stuff getting on the truck wheels and, and utes as they're driving it um, on and off the site. So, yeah, temporary driveway, silt fencing, temporary fencing. Um, it's quite a big thing now. In the old days you never saw it, but... As per workplace and safety, builders are supposed to keep everyone off out of the sites now. Temporary toilet, depending on where it is, it might need a temporary power pole um, set up. And it generally just covers all the stuff that's required so that when the builder comes to start work on the site, it's safe, he's got power, he's got water, he's got a toilet, and everyone can start doing the job. Fantastic. Yeah. No, well, I think that's given a fantastic picture of that deposit phase uh, and stage of construction. So thanks very much, Dwayne. No worries. Thanks, Amelia. Now, before I go, let me talk to you about QuoteSpec. So QuoteSpec is our podcast partner this season, and QuoteSpec is a cloud-based quoting app that enables builders and tradespeople to create professional, easy-to-understand quotes, and it allows homeowners to see exactly what's been included and not included, and to have confidence that they can manage their budget and build without drama. 
One of the beautiful things about QuoteSpec is that the package comes with a list of pre-entered categories and items. So as a builder or a tradesperson, that means that you can go through and you can check all the things that you want to include in your quote on a project-by-project basis. You know, Dwayne and his team have built out an incredibly comprehensive list, and this saves loads of time and avoids those human errors of accidentally forgetting to include something that you meant to, but you accidentally overlooked. Now, as a homeowner, when you look at the quote spec quote that you receive, it means that you can see a detailed outline of exactly what your quote quote includes and what it excludes. And it's laid out in a really easy to read document that you can access online as well. So many budget blowouts and dramas occur during building because of assumptions. A homeowner assumes something was included in the quote when it wasn't, and then there's this difficult and stressful conversation of how that work gets covered and included and how, you know, that everyone will afford it as well. So quote spec helps you as a homeowner see a comprehensive outline that's easy for you to understand. You can be informed before you sign on the dotted line. So, homeowners, ask your builder or tradesperson, do you use QuoteSpec? And if they don't, send them to this page to find out more about it. And you can also check this out yourself. So, it's www.quotespec.com.au forward slash undercover architect. And that's quotespec.com.au forward slash undercover architect. Look, I love this as a tool and a platform, and I know that you will too. Now, in the next episode, Dwayne and I will be discussing demolition and site preparation. This is the next stage of in the stages of home construction, and this stage can vary greatly in cost and scope of work, depending entirely on your project. And it can carry some very surprising budget blowouts very early on. Listen to the next episode so that you can avoid these budget blowouts on your project. And also, please mention this season to any friends, family or colleagues who might be building soon too. This is information that can help so many homeowners have a far better experience with their renovation or new home construction. Now, remember all of the links for this episode and all of the other information that I've spoken about, they're in the show notes. So head there for more information now. Looking forward to next time. Bye. 